What's going on, everybody? Josh here. Before we get you ready for another edition of the Four Corners Podcast, here this week's ad from DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors like myself, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will, too. Listen to this great offer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wagers are paid out in sight. Credits restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. The 10th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front court, Carolina thought he'd travel with it. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams, down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park, reverse duck, is good, and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk! Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. Hey, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. Belton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. A battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores. 72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. From HeelToughBlog.com, this is the Four Corners Podcast, featuring your host, Josh Marlowe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you today. Anthony is actually joining me live in person, whereas last time we talked, he was over the phone. we got a great episode planned for you guys. We're going to put a recruiting roundup on the month of a busy month of recruiting for Carolina basketball. Uh, Carolina reached out to a highly sought-after transfer from Marquette. And UNC did learn their ACC Big Ten Challenge opponent for this year's ACC Big Ten Challenge. Well, we start with the popular segment, Anthony's new favorite segment of the show. Here the we go. Thought of the day. And Dude. today we go to the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan once said, Obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it. Go through it or work around it. How about that? Hey, Scotty Pippen, maybe you should take some of his advice, you moron. So there is your pod 
thought of the day. I like it, dude. I'm pu- I'm pumped. I'm ready, dude. I'm ready to climb this wall of a podcast that we got right here. I'm, We've I'm ready now to go. heard from the three goats of Carolina basketball: Dean Smith, Roy Williams, and now. Michael Jordan. Dude, I can't wait for that Marcus Page quote next week. I'm ready for that, man. Crank that sucker up. I did reach out to Marcus, trying to get him on the pod to come talk to me, but he, of course, has left my DM. He hasn't left me on red, but he hasn't yet seen my message to get him on. Hey, that's better. That's better. That leaves you a little less hollow on the inside. But But as I mentioned at the start, we're going to put a recruiting – we're going to wrap up this month of recruiting, and Carolina had a pretty busy week. This past week, they, of course, landed Seth Trimble on Wednesday, the former uh, or the, the, the brother of former Tar Heel J.P. Tokoto. Carolina flipped his perceived commitment from Michigan in less than a week after he was on campus. Saturday, they missed out on Justin Taylor, who, of course, is going to Syracuse. Wasn't over-shockingly news as Carolina basically quit recruiting after they saw Cam Whitmore drop 34 on Justin Taylor's team at an AAU circuit. But now Hubert Davis and his staff will have to scout to take away Justin Taylor and Jim Beheim's scheme up there with the Syracuse Orange. And Sunday, yesterday, Carolina finished up their last recruiting official visit of the month with Isaac Trout, who was on campus um, yesterday after he's, he's already visited Michigan State, Nebraska, Virginia, and Creighton as well. And so I got right here on the rundown, you know, Seth Trimble, joins Will Shaver as the two commits this month. They are, of course, the only two commits right now for Hubert Davis's first uh, recruiting class. And look, upon the hiring of Hubert Davis and then taking, you know, getting involved in recruiting, there was a lot of skepticism about his ability to recruit as a head coach. He was a great recruiter for Carolina when he was recruiting for Roy Williams, but now he's recruiting for his own self and his staff's ability to recruit. You elevate Sean May to a bench position. You bring him back Jeff Lebo who's been out of the college game for the last two years or so. So there was a lot of worries if this staff could recruit the type of players that Tar Heel fans won't and really what this program needs to get back to competing to at the top of the ACC. But you land a developmental big guy that's going to be around for three to four years, does all the things you want him to do, can shoot the three, spread the floor, can also rebound the ball. Then you you pretty much flip a commitment of Seth Trimble that he was never officially committed to Michigan. You got him to deviate from that path of joining the Wolverines. Was this a, was this month a success for Hubert Davis and his staff? I mean, yeah, I don't see how you would say no. I mean, I, I, I don't – like, you look around the country and a lot of the big-name guys and most of the guys that Carolina was hosting on campus haven't made their decisions yet. Um, Justin Taylor, I mean, if that's one that you're really trying to crucify him for, I'm going to be really honest with you. I think even going into that – Going into that AAU tournament that he was in, I don't think Carolina was really in the best position for him anyways. I think that Virginia and Syracuse were probably still ahead of them. I think uh, they saw you know, what they needed to see from him. They pretty much said to themselves, we're going to kind of back off here. And who knows? Maybe it, maybe it wasn't what they saw. Maybe they had a conversation with him and he said, look, you know, I, I really liked what I saw with you guys, but right now it's it's Virginia and Syracuse. You don't really know what happened. It was mainly they saw Cam Whitmore yeah. and was really impressed with him for 2023. That was really what led them to back off of his recruitment. 
Right, not, which know, is that's what's being reported. Which is where it's it's so much different than football recruiting, and I think that's one of the bigger issues that with with some of this fan base is that a lot of people think you need to approach it the same way that you approach football recruiting in terms of you need to load up on a bunch of guys in each class. That's not how it works. If you got a guy that you look at in the next class at that position and you say, "Dude, he can come in and have a better impact than this guy," because I, I mean. Justin Taylor, good prospect. Justin Taylor's probably a multi-year guy. If you I, think that Cam Whitmore can come in and give you more than Justin Taylor does in a year, and you feel like, we've got enough on this roster right now where we can patchwork it, I think that's probably how they looked at this. I also so, think in recruiting, it's easier to tell in a basketball gym, oh, that kid's got it, as opposed to when you're recruiting football. Like, I think Hubert Davis could was able to sit there, and as you've mentioned on our podcast and when we talk on the Heel Tough blog, this is the first time these coaches are seeing these these players live. Right. A lot of them. Because last year you didn't get to see it. It was all on a computer, you know, on a, on a computer disc or whatever. Um, he was able to probably sit in the gym and say, he's not going to be able to translate this to the college level, but Cam Whitmore can, so let's go recruit him. Yeah. I, I may be wrong, but I've been in football gyms, or, or I've been in basketball gyms. <laughs> I was going to say, where yeah. are those at? And I've been at football games, and I've looked at kids and you know evaluated kids. And it's, in my opinion, it's easier to tell from a basketball standpoint as opposed to football because football, you can make a kid work in a system. How many system guys are there in basketball? There aren't that many. I mean, mainly your point guards might be a guy that fits a system, maybe a stretch four. That's probably about it. I agree with you. Um, because the closest thing that you get to an AAU-type setting for football seven are seven-on-seven, seven, mainly mainly your camps. Yeah. So your rivals, your um, – oh, the opening camp. And all and of pretty those much, are designed for those kids to excel. And here's the, here's the thing, dude. I'm going to tell you, there are two drills in those that matter. None of the other ones are worth anything. The only ones that matter are the trench drills – and the one-on-one -on -one wide receiver defensive back drills cuz you can find out a lot about your skill position players in the one in in the ladder that I talked about same thing with the quarterbacks you can see who's got a good enough arm to lead their receivers open they really shine in the 7 on 7s too and then in the trench drills that's where you find out what type of technique guys have going up against some you know bigger bodies that they may not have faced at their level if you go out to a high school game and it's the same thing with basketball you go out to a high school basketball game you'll think a kid's a superstar just watching him beat up on guys from his local area that are terrible the AAU circuit that's what's so great about basketball and what allows you and that's why a lot of a lot of teams they do most of their recruiting on in the, the AAU summer because yep. you're going to find out you're playing against the best these guys aren't scrubs if you're on travel AAU teams you're pretty good or you got a lot of money one of the two so I mean and if you stink you're going to be sitting on the bench anyways yeah. paying a lot of money so that's the thing so yeah I think they just looked at him and they honestly said to themselves either there's a guy in this class in two, in the 2022 class that they feel fits it better or they looked into that future class they saw Whitmore there and they looked at their roster had a conversation probably in the stands and said to themselves look we can hold over until this guy is available if we have a spot available it's going to be more attractive for Whitmore and we think he's a better fit for us that's how you got to look at it so I, overall I think they did a great job because Trimble was a guy that coming into his visit, we had pretty much chalked it up like, I mean, at this point, as long as you can get him to rethink his decision, maybe that's that's something good for Carolina. 
pretty much when he left his visit. I mean, I'm shocked he didn't commit on the visit. He was that. He had already committed to UNC. Right. He, he was he was a silent commit when he left. He wanted to go through, have the video made, have the have the poster made, all the stuff that you do to sort of hype it up and and, and make the decision. Um, I mean, did he do his? What was it? Was it on Instagram or? Because now they have you know the CBS Sports HQ that you can do your decision. They have all the different avenues that you can do it on, as opposed to where you know the only time that you would maybe be able to do that is if you waited until signing day and did it on the signing day special. Now, I mean, they got all these different avenues that they can put you on to make your announcement. So I think that was part of it. And then, I mean, Shaver, I mean, again, I think that's a guy, we talked about it, he's a guy that they looked at, they thought he's somebody that we think is going to be able to stay around for a while. He gives us some depth. And I think that's one of the big things that they were looking to add in this class were guys that are looked at as four-year guys that can add depth. Maybe he's not the greatest player, but one of the things that Carolina's really struggled with over the last couple of years due to injuries and due to just the lack of talent at times is their depth hasn't been great. You talked about it. There was the time where Carolina was starting K.J. Smith at point guard. You don't want to get to that point again. So I think Carolina's looking for these types of guys that they can bring in. And look, if he turns into something, great. If he turns out to be a guy that comes off the bench and maybe turns into a role player his senior year, oh, well, you deal with it. You'll have talent that you're building around him. A guy like Trimble is the type of guy that, you know, Shaver, you know, sort of helps out. He, he's he's going to soften the blow, um, you know, when you get some of these more talented guys in there. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too worried about it. I thought they had a pretty successful month. I think that they've put themselves in a pretty solid spot for Jaden Bradley, and I, I think that's about the most that you could hope for out of this month. I, I don't think any of the other guys that visited were looking to commit at any time. I think soon. that's what's going to make this ultimately successful or not. If they land Jaden Bradley, there's no way you can say to yourself, this wasn't successful. You get your premier point guard prospect, a guy that fits everything that you wanted to do under Roy Williams, and even more so as you're transitioning to Hubert Davis. And I I think really more than anything, Hubert Davis and his staff has established themselves as recruiters to be reckoned with that Carolina he you know he vowed that Carolina wasn't going to go anywhere from recruiting nationally i think that that's been proven to be true so far and Hubert Davis just continues to win everything off the court he has to win on the court that's the most important thing but what was what were we being told after he was hired he he knows how to build relationships he knows how he knows how to re- relate with these kids that was the main reason why he was handpicked by Roy Williams to take over the program and we're seeing that in recruiting with the current players um and it's you know as i mentioned you got to win on the court but to win on the court you got to win in recruiting you got to have some guys yeah. out there to be able to play on the court and carolina appears to be doing that right now as i mentioned trout was on campus yesterday um 6'9", big man. Like Anthony said, you're not gonna, you know, he's not gonna commit today or tomorrow, most likely. But he's a guy that Carolina covets because, you know, you only got three big men on your roster right now. Armando Baycott, who just withdrew from the NBA draft process, so who knows next year he could be gone for good. You've got Brady Manick, who's a senior transfer from Oklahoma, so he's only got one year left. And Justin McCoy. If he's playing the four spot, it's not going to be the most ideal thing for him because he is only 6'8". So Hubert Davis, even though he's wanting to get 
Um, we're moving the program to a more guard-oriented, guard-friendly uh, offense. You need front-court talent. That's why they brought in Derek Lively. They went and saw Jalen Washington over the weekend, and they were, you know, they had Trout on campus today. So Hubert Davis knows the value of having a good balance between front-court and backcourt players. Before we move on to that transfer portal news we talked about, I do want to remind you guys to get over to DraftKings. You heard that at the beginning of the show. But get over to DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app today to turn $1 into 100 site or into 100 uh, credits on DraftKings.com. Just use the promo code TBPN. Now to the big news of the weekend. Dawson Garcia and Marquette transfer enter the transfer portal on Friday night while he is still going through the NBA draft process, weighing his options there. Can return to Marquette. He did leave that door open and return to new head coach Shaka Smart and the Golden Eagles. But Carolina was mentioned as a was as a team that well, you know, might get involved. Now they have gotten involved. They have made contact with the big man, and this is a guy that Roy Williams did recruit when he was the head coach at Carolina, but Garcia did opt for Marquette. You looked at the class that you know Roy Williams brought in last year. It already had Walker Kessler. It had Dayron Sharp. You had Armando Baycott and Garrison Brooks on campus. Didn't see a lot of playing time. Also, didn't want to be a back-to-the-basket player. He's a modern big man that can step out, shoot the three-point shot pretty well. Averaged 13 points per game as a freshman to go along with six rebounds. Was named Big East All-Freshman enough, by the way. He scored 24 points and grabbed 11 rebounds when Marquette upset Carolina. Yeah, I was going to say Chapel what Hill in February. Last what tipped season. him off when he murdered us in our <laughs> own in our own building? Um, and as I mentioned, Carolina has made contact with Garcia. He's a 6'11 guy, so he brings some much needed size to this roster. But we just talked about the depth. You only got three front court players. Really, only two. You don't want Justin McCoy and Leaky Black and Leaky Black being considered front court guys. I think Carolina should be aggressive with Garcia, but I think the question is how aggressive should they be with getting after him? I I mean, I I think you just got to kind of feel it out. You got to kind of figure out what your role uh, for for him would be. Are you looking at him as a guy that's going to start over Brady Manick? Or are you looking – To me, I would say yes. I mean, I I think – to be honest with you, if Carolina's wanting to go in a different direction, do they even think about starting him over Armando Baycott? You can't start I, I him mean, over Armando after you saying – I mean, Hubert Davis thinks that with Armando Baycott back in the full, Carolina is a legitimate ACC and national title contender. Right. See, I, You're not putting see, that guy on the pine. See, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think he starts over either one of them. I think he would probably be your guy coming off the bench. Most likely, but I do think there would be a situation – that he spreads the floor over Manning because he gives you some size. And I keep telling you, if Carolina can't rebound, you can't play small all the time. Oh, I agree with you on that. But I think I, he's a better just, rebounder than Brady Manick's proven to be at Oklahoma. In there's season. no doubt about that. Brady Manick is your Brady Manick is probably as close to a three at, at the four. He's he's going to be a guy that is. He is there to stretch the floor. That's his main goal. Where Garcia, I mean, yeah, he can stretch the floor, but he doesn't like playing back to the basket. He has the capability to, though, and he can rebound. So I think that's you. That's what you just kind of got to figure out is what do you envision his role to be? And, I mean, it, it's, it's this simple. Just be honest with the kid. Tell him right out, look, this is what your role is going to be. Do you want to play that role? If not... Okay, that's fine. 
but we just want to be up front with you. Don't tell the guy, we're going we're gonna to give you a starting job. He comes here, you don't give him a starting job, and then it turns into something that it doesn't necessarily need to be. I, I feel like that conversation is you have every opportunity to start. Right. Because I think it'll be, you know, I know, I know it's coaching cliche that say everyone's opening for positioning, but I do think Carolina starting five as of today is really undecided. It could be a mixture of a lot of different lineups. So I think he would have the ability to compete. Well, I think the start. I think the backcourt is up for grabs. I think the front court's set. I, I would be stunned if it's, it is not Baycott and Manic that are I your starters. I think it would be too. Because who else are you putting there? You put you, you're really going to put Leaky Black at the four. I mean, it really depends if I don't Caleb think so. R.J. Davis have taken that next step, which was listening to the Carolina side the other day, and both Jones, Age and Adam Lucas both said they look a lot better in pickup which with former former pros. Right. So, I would be stunned. So you, could, you could see a lineup with Love, Davis, Walton, then Black. And then and Mondo, I don't see it. I don't. Now, I I I'm gonna be honest I think with it you. Limits your bench. I think at that point you don't have a lot of production coming off the bench. But I think it limits your starters. I'm gonna be real with you. I don't think there is much upside to Leaky Black at this point. I think we've kind of seen what Leaky's gonna be. Now, look, is that something that you that 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 you don't value at all? No. But is that something that you'd rather have on your bench than a, as opposed to in your starting lineup? Yes. I mean, Manic Manic showed last year, and really more the previous year, but he showed it at times last year too. He has the ability to score the basketball. He has the ability to shoot from the outside. You need shooters on this team. Leaky Black, I'm sorry, man. You haven't done it to this point. Maybe this is your year. But to me, I'd rather see you prove that off the bench than in the starting lineup that you can be a shooter because Carolina's got to have guys that knock down shots. I, do I, think, I just don't think it's going to work. I if do you think can't if there's a guy that benefits more than anyone from this coaching change, it is Leaky Black. I think his relationship with Hubert Davis was way better than ever was with Roy Williams. And I just think there's going to be a level of confidence instilled with him that he does finally reach his potential okay. and becomes the player – that That's, that we need that this that the team needs him to be because he hasn't been that player since right he to the starting. That's role. look. That's fine. I think that it's definitely possible, but I just don't. I think that at this point, he has had the opportunity in the starting lineup. You've got to have. I mean, look, and I would I would still open it up for competition. Like, look, man, I'm not telling Brady Manic here. You're walking in. You're you're taking the job. But what I'm saying is right now. Unless, just mainly because of because of the size factor, I don't think that anybody is going to be a better fit for you at that four right now. Well, I mean, Garcia's taller. Well, so okay. It, if that's Gar- why, that's see, why if Garcia. That's why if, if Carolina lands him, and I, in my in my way of thinking, I want him to start because he's taller, he's longer, he can still give you everything Manic can do. He can spread the floor. He can make the three point shot. Well, he, I mean, we don't. I don't think he. I don't know if he's quite as as apt to stretch the floor as as Manic is. Maybe but, not. But he shot thirty six percent from three. You're gonna. Oh, live he's a with good that. player, dude. I, I'm. I would if he comes in, he will definitely. That competition would be open. And I no doubt. And I I firmly believe Carolina is going to be more committed on the defensive end under Hubert Davis than they have been under Roy Williams. And he has he has that length. And what is the biggest thing? when Carolina has length, they are a really really good defensive team, right? And he's longer than Manic, so I just think that that would be 
it wouldn't surprise me if he comes to Carolina if he starts ever manic. And then, because then you're bringing an experienced guy off the bench to play with a younger point guard coming off the bench. There's a lot of values to having him in the starting lineup because you're still keeping that size and Carolina should be able to really rebound the ball at a high rate. I feel you. I, I feel you. I, look, I don't think that them approaching it is not smart. I just the only thing that I'm saying is be upfront with him and let him know I that look when you come in here, you are not guaranteed a starting job. We're just going to be honest with you. We've got our leading scorer coming back. He's a guy that's in the in the middle. He's a guy that fits kind of what we want. And then we've got a veteran guy in Brady Manick. He's in a very similar situation to you. You will have to battle for your job. But I'm gonna but I would put it to him this way: if you win your job and you're on this team. And we have Mana coming off the bench, or you coming off the bench. This team's going to be really good. Well, that leads me to so, the, the second part of this whole thing. I don't know right now if Carolina is built to contend to win the ACC. I think top three is probably the expectation, but that still might be. Oh, that's pushing it a that, little. That bit, might dude. be a stretch with year one going through all of this. Would the addition of Garcia make Carolina an ACC contender? And as I always say, if you continue to win the ACC, you're continuing to win a national championship. In my opinion, I think it elevates their chances to because in college well, basketball, no doubt. No doubt. Be, if, if they're a top 20 team, top 25 team entering the NCAA tournament, you have a legitimate shot to win the national championship. So you could still finish fourth or fifth in the ACC. But you could still be a team that if they made the Final Four, oh, that doesn't surprise me. Well, first of all, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and make my final my, my national champion prediction right here on the show. If Kansas doesn't win the national championship this next year, dude, Bill Self will be under a lot of heat. That team is got a freaking, contract. That team is freaking anywhere. loaded, man. That, I mean, he I, – oh, I know he's not going anywhere, but – Kansas fans would not be Nova, happy. That team's freaking loaded. Be really, really good too. Yeah, I don't know, man. They've had a lot, but um, I mean, yeah, I, I think. I mean, even without them, I, I think they're probably somewhere in that four to six range. I think with Garcia, I mean, they're probably. I would say at that point, you would probably look at them as in that three to four range. Because I mean, here's the thing. You say, well, how great is the ACC going to be at the top? Okay, Virginia's not going anywhere. Tony Bennett is going to have those guys playing extremely well. Um, They should return just about everybody, right? Unless I'm just missing anybody. Look, Virginia's going to be good. Duke's going to be good. Florida State's going to be good. Duke's got a great recruiting class. They're motivated. Yeah. Uh, So those are your four right there. I think Syracuse is going to be really good. They're returning a lot of guys from last year's another run in the NCAA tournament. So I think – See, I think – See, they're going to be what they normally are, though. I I think they're going to be a a slightly above average team, and when they'll do the same thing when they get to the tournament. Because I just – To me, if you get Garcia – and you match up against Syracuse, you'll have no. I think you should be able to beat that. You would kill them inside. They don't have size. They they're very similarly built to the team that you want to be. They just, I mean, they've got some shooters on that team. They bring back Buddy Bayheim. They get the other Bayheim, you know, coming in. So, um, and then, I mean, Georgia Tech's going to drop off because they 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 lost uh, both Moses Wright and Virginia Tech just got their biggest player Aluma. He he just withdrew from the NBA Combine, and that team was a top six team 
in the ACC last year. They'll be good. Yeah, they'll be good. It's a weaker schedule because a lot of their big ACC games got canceled due to COVID, but you don't finish in the top six in the ACC by accident. They got a good coach, man. Mike Young's a good coach. They do got a good coach. For sure. In my opinion right now, sitting today, I think Carolina's probably the fourth best team in the ACC, which is still not bad with a first-year head coach. But I think if you add Garcia into the lineup and – Caleb Love and R.J. Davis take those next steps, and Kerwood Walton becomes a more complete offensive player and can actually guard his lunchbox on the defensive end, and Armando Baycott does what he does. I think Carolina's That's a lot got of check marks right there. I think Carolina's got – there's a formula to see this team be in the top three in the ACC – and being in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, which, in my opinion, that's a success for year one for Hubert Davis. Oh, I mean, I think you're right. I, I think, yeah, I think the key to that is is getting Garcia. I feel like if they don't get him, but I think, I think they're in that second tier of teams behind Duke. If, if Roy Williams was back, wouldn't the expectation probably be Elite Eight or bust? Because uh, you're bringing back uh, – and. Our whole, our whole Possibly. Thing, our whole thing last year was our guards were inexperienced. Well, now your guards are rather experienced because they started and played a lot of minutes as freshmen. But now you got a new head coach, so now we can lesser we can lesser the expectations. My expectation for this program will always be to win the ACC and make the Final Four. Is that realistic? No, but that's the <laughs> that's what happens when you've well, gone no, to twenty one. Final Four. Yeah. You've won seven national championships. That's the expectation. But I do think with the coaching change, our expectations have been lowered somewhat to where if we finish fourth, we're not going to freak out. Well, that's out. natural. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Look at the last two years, too. This team hasn't exactly been killing it. This isn't a team that's made back-to-back Final Fours before their coach retired. Like, yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, with finishing top four, that's a step up from where you've been the last two years. Yep. That's a challenge for him. So, yeah, your expectations have to be a little realistic here. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, if Roy was here, look, first of all, I don't know what the big man situation would look like. Couldn't tell you. I don't know if they would have lost all those guys. I can tell you this. I don't know I don't know that Brady Manick is on this team. He probably – Roy's probably looking for a different style big, maybe more of like um, Trey Mitchell who came out of UMass, transferred else. So it would look a little bit different. You'd have to kind of figure that out because as of right now, this would be the biggest thing for Roy. You'd have the guard play. But I mean, you don't have you don't have your bigs down low. You don't have your front court depth. So it would be again. What would the expectations be? I don't know. You'd kind of have to look at what the roster makeup would be, which would def it would be different than what it is right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to limit your expectations a little bit. But at the same time, I mean, this is Carolina. Uh, they want to win, and I'm going to tell you, the last couple of years have not rubbed the fan base the right way. They want to win quickly but at the same time yeah there's a learning curve that's why I think it was important for him to put together a good staff and as we've talked about multiple times over the last couple of weeks it's not the most mind-blowing staff but especially with the hire of Pat Sullivan you got a group in place that you feel confident about can help him when he needs it and I think the other thing is that I mean yeah we talk about some of those teams at the top of the ACC who are these like who are these middle of the ACC teams that you really think are going to be great? Like, are we thinking that Pittsburgh's going to take a step forward? We've been saying that for a couple of years. I, the Miami's going to stay healthy. The no. conference is going to bounce back because it was so down. But last who, year. I mean, who I was, is that team? I was team, arguing though? with a guy last night on on Twitter 
that are shocking that, that the SEC is a better basketball conference than the ACC. Put down, put down the recreational drugs, sir. That is not true. And, no. And so if 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 that mindset is out there, the ACC as a whole is going to bounce back, which I don't think the middle of the conference is going to be that good. I'm going to be honest with you. But what I think is going to be good is, first of all, Virginia, legitimate title contender next year. Duke, legitimate title contender next year in Kay's final year with that recruiting class. I think Florida State's probably a legitimate title contender because, again, I think one of the things that you got to look at with that, Leonard Hamilton's 72 years old. If he wants to win a title, he's probably got, what, at the max, eight years? I don't see him coaching past 80. It's really difficult once you get around that age. So those are your top three teams. We've talked about Syracuse. We know what they can do. Who knows? They could come out and have a great regular season. Me personally, we've seen what they've done recently under Jim Beheim in his final years. They just kind of put along in the regular season, and they get it together towards the end and make the tournament. The middle of the threat will be better if State and Wake Forest – but take, take take the steps forward that we've right that we've been waiting on NC State to do since Kevin Keats got hired, and they take the step forward. I think Steve Forbes is going to make Wake Forest as good as right. Wake Forest that's a, can be now. That's a big step though for him because again they were not that good this past. But they year. were competitive in a lot of ACC games. Maybe Usually that changes the next. We'll see. Year. Also, but see, this is the other thing. What about a team like Clemson that made the tournament? You would think they're probably going to regress back a little bit from what we saw last year. Because let's be honest. Let's be honest. I mean, I think at times he gets more crap than he probably deserves. But at the same time, I think Brad Brownell is an average coach. Gotten, I don't think there's anything great about well, him. He took that program to the Sweet 16. They gave, pretty much gave him a lifetime contract. He's taken that program as far as he could take him, and that's a lot further than Rick Barnes ever took him back in the nights before he left for Texas. So, you know, look, I think – I just think – and look, I'm ACC biased. I love the conference. I do expect it to bounce back. So, D, are you the ACC guy like these SEC guys that yeah. roots for the conference? Yeah. Look, ACC, no. Chan? I'm, I'm not like that. I just <laughs> – I was not. I was not uh, unhappy to see NC State sent home from the College World Series. I don't. Oh Jesus! Don't, let's not get into that. I don't like Clemson competing in the college football playoff every year. Like I'm not that. Well, that's of, just a casual college football yeah. fan. That's not even a conference thing. I'm not that type of guy, but I do think the conference is is set up. For it's a, better than the SEC. Yeah. If anybody actually thinks that, you need to. I, you need to seriously check. I mean, you got to watch more college basketball because there. I'm going to be honest with you. There are what at this point two legitimate teams in the SEC: Kentucky, and I don't. I don't think Alabama is really going anywhere under Nate Oates. Other than that, there uh, is Ar- zero Arkansas guarantee. Made the Elite Eight last year, so you got to remember. Yeah, that's a good point. They, 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 they still but a, but they they're going to lose a lot though. They they're losing Moses Moody, it's still who's not a, a better superstar. conference one through fourteen than the ACC. Not even not even close. Moving on, last little bit of news before we get out of here. When we talked last week, Carolina added Brown to their non-conference schedule. I hinted that when the next time we spoke to you, Carolina would have their ACC Big Ten Challenge opponent. They got that opponent today as they will face the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, for the, unbelievable for the third time. In the last five years, believe it or not, how, how is how does that make sense? Before how is there that, no balance in this? It, this is the dumbest setup that they have. The worst part out of all of them. It's that's that ridiculous. Before they met five years ago, 
they had never played in the challenge beforehand because Carolina no was sense. too busy playing Michigan State and Ohio State. You and I both thought they would get slated with Tom Izzo's Spartans. Um, they will not. They, they, of course, get Michigan again this time. Back in Chapel Hill, um, where Carolina beat them the, when they when they renewed the you know the this is a little bit of a rivalry because of how dramatic that '93 national title game was. It, you know, it's picking up too. Yeah. It's picking up in recent years. I mean, Carolina just you know flipped Trumbull from Michigan to Carolina, so it's becoming a recruiting battle. Um, but yeah, there's Carolina's ACC Big Ten Challenge opponent. So now that Michigan now joins the fold of Carolina's got Purdue, who's going to be a top ten team in the preseason up in Uncasville, Connecticut, in the Hall of Fame Tip Off Classic. Depending on what they do there, they either play the winner slash loser of Villanova, who's going to be a preseason top two three team in the country, or Tennessee. Who, by the way, when did this become Maui or the battle for Atlantis? This this matchup, and I mean, the, the, those are three of the best teams in the country, and then Carolina up there. That's been an underrated, great tournament that happens, but everyone's so focused on Maui. Well, and, and of I'm, course, the one year that Carolina goes, it's a historic field yeah. that they put together. I mean, you, you can't make it up. Um, so you got you got Purdue, either got Nova or Tennessee. You also got UCLA on the schedule in the CBS Sports Classic, depending on what Johnny Juzang does, if he comes back to the Bruins or goes to the NBA. That's a top three to five team nationally. So all of a sudden, Carolina's non-cover schedule has shaped up to be pretty tough once again. They do have two spots left open on their schedule. And as I put on the post that was on the website, uh, it's interesting to see how Hubert Davis fills those last two spots. The ACC has yet to announce their conference uh, schedule for next season. Remember, last time we played a full ACC schedule within a non-COVID year, you started off the season with an ACC game and played an ACC game in December before after the Coward returned playing the rest. So of we're ACC opening with game. Florida State or something. So right? I, I think it really depends on does Carolina play ACC games in November and December or is it all in January? Does dictate how tough Hubert Davis does make his schedule because I do think. When you're, you know, installing a whole new system, he needs to get confidence as the head coach on what adjustments to make, figuring out the rotation and all that. It's a lot easier to do that when you're playing the Browns of the world as opposed to teams that are legitimate national titles. Not the Cleveland Browns either. We mean the actual Brown University Um, guys. So there you go. Carolina and Michigan will take off. We'll we'll face off once again in the ACC in the Big Ten Challenge. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, get you guys to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we had you covered with all the great basketball recruiters the last couple weeks with Seth Trimble's commitment, Carolina missing out on Justin Taylor, and Carolina's pursuit of Dawson Garcia. Go back as I put up the recruiting roundup as we put a stamp on the, re- the month of recruiting for June for Carolina basketball. Also go back and get all, and all your film the football recruiting as well. The, Mac Brown landed a football recruit over the weekend, an offensive lineman up from Pennsylvania. Pretty soon we're going to be getting you guys ready for the 2021 football season, which is now less than 10 weeks away. So we got all that great football and basketball coverage over at HeelToughBlog.com. Like the Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We put everything we put on the website on those two pages as well. And lastly, we encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I do want to thank my guy, uh, Dunkrist on uh, – or yeah, Dunkus something on Twitter. I forget Excuse his me? entire handle. He reached out to me and said that we had some audio problems in the last episode. Wow. Saying that it was only coming in one ear. Don't really know what caused that, but – Probably the on-the-phone thing. Um. Yeah, that might have been. That might have been part of it. Do want to thank you for getting back to me. That's what you know. That's what we need. We need you guys to tell us when something's going up. So, 
Get over to the website, Heel Tough Law, or, or get over to the podcast. You can find us on Megaphone, Spreaker, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Rate, and Review. Review me as the host, review Anthony as the co-host, and all the guests that we have on. But we want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. Right now we're doing about one episode a week or so, but pretty soon we will, we will be ramping up with episodes as we get closer and closer to this season. Well, with that, I do want to thank Anthony for coming on to talk some Carolina basketball. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.